You're listening to End of the Line, an ongoing podcast about the pipeline struggles in Virginia and the Mid-Atlantic. I'm Whitney Whiting. We're talking about going through bedrock. We're talking about the, the basic rock that underlies everything, and they're going to have to blast with dynamite through those areas. And so it's, it's not this kind of benign sounding activity that they present to us. It's, it's violence on the land is what it is. At the time of this recording, representatives from both the Mountain Valley and Atlantic Coast pipelines say that they are on schedule to begin pre-construction activities sometime this fall. Still, many amongst the opposition maintain that the final outcome is far from a done deal, especially as the issue of water permits becomes more contentious every day. Act on this. We don't have trust, the public doesn't have trust in this, and DEQ needs to do its job, step up, oppose these permits, and McAuliffe, it's time for you to speak. Thank you. In our last episode, we mentioned that West Virginia was recently challenged on their decision to grant water permits for construction of the Mountain Valley Pipeline, activities that could potentially violate the Clean Water Act. Instead of defending the permits, West Virginia state regulators chose to revoke them entirely, promising to re-examine the permits at a later date. We've since learned that the state of North Carolina also chose to delay their decision on water permitting for the Atlantic Coast Pipeline. Which brings us, of course, to our own state of Virginia, which sits awkwardly in limbo phase, with a public comment period now over, a looming gubernatorial race, and no clear signs from the DEQ of when they plan to hold a final vote on water permits. In this episode, we're going to take a break from our normal format to hear excerpts from two sets of recent public comments from people living in the direct path of the proposed Mountain Valley and Atlantic Coast pipelines. The first set of comments were delivered to members of the State Water Control Board. That's the citizen body who, at some point in the next couple months, will be voting on whether to grant water permits for both pipelines. The first commenter you'll hear from is Russell Chisholm of Giles County. Ladies and gentlemen of the board, um, my name is Russell Chisholm. I'm a Newport resident in Giles County, um, and I'm here today on behalf of an organization called Preserve Giles County, which is a, a member group in a larger coalition um, known as POWER, which is Protect Our Water, Heritage, and Rights. Um, <clears throat> I'm a uh, United States Army veteran and I was able to purchase my house in a section of Giles County known as Clover Hollow back in 1999 um, through the use of a, of a VA loan. Um, and that process was complicated by the fact that uh, my property is uh, only served by a gravity-fed spring. And in this uh, particular section of, of Clover Hollow, that spring is connected to a system a, a very sensitive system of, of interconnected groundwater uh, in a sensitive area of karst. Um, this karst type terrain is now threatened by the Mountain Valley Pipeline. Um, and while as a landowner I'm not directly on the proposed route, uh, my neighbors are on the uh, route and my water is on the route. So I'm here today 
um, on behalf of the water and on behalf of my neighbors um, to speak to you, uh, to ask you to consider some of the threats to our community. Um, and uh, a neighbor of mine, Georgia Haverty, uh, who is a farmer and runs a business there known as Doe Creek Farm, uh, sent along a statement for me to read on her behalf because she's working the farm today. Uh, and this is her statement. A Doe Creek Farm has been a continuously operating apple orchard for over 130 years. Virginia Department of Historic Resources has recently listed the entire farm as historic under agriculture and architecture period of significance, 1883 to 1966. This includes our sole water source for our 400 acres, which is and has always been a natural spring. This spring feeds all of our livestock and provides water for our families and businesses. Uh, Doe Creek Farm would not have survived as it has without this spring. Uh, the MVP as currently proposed runs through the middle of the farm. Aside from the danger of explosion it poses to my family and our neighbors, my greatest fear is the disruption or total destruction of our spring because of blasting during construction of the pipeline or contamination of our water lines due to leaks after construction. This would be beyond devastating. This would be the end of Doe Creek Farm. My family purchased Doe Creek Farm in 1978 and continued to manage 100 acres of apples for the wholesale market and raise cattle for the next 30 years. During the last five years, our family has completely renovated and added businesses in order to stay on the farm by becoming more self-sustaining. Packing House now hosts wedding receptions, ceremonies in the front yard with up to 200 guests at a time. All the old apple trees were taken out and new dwarf apple trees were planted for a new U-Pick business, which draws hundreds of visitors in the fall. All of these new businesses and visitors urgently need our spring to remain undisturbed. Drilling dozens of wells is not practical. Town water is not available, nor would it be practical for all of our needs. Hauling in tanks of water in the event of well or spring failure as MVP has suggested, is just stupid. Uh, we want to stay on this land, and we love what we do. We need our spring <clears throat> to remain our source as it has for 130 years. Thank you. Next, a small contingent of neighbors from nearby Montgomery County, also impacted by the Mountain Valley Pipeline, organized themselves to speak consecutively one after the other. The first speaker did not offer her name, but stated that she and her neighbors live in the Mount Tabor Karst Sinkhole Plain. Um, those of us speaking here today in this little group um, have varied backgrounds and experiences. With some professors and engineers and builders and physicians and um, volunteers, moms and dads, farm owners, etc. Um, we're all representing our neighbors, many of whom cannot join us because of work or health or family issues or responsibilities, but all of us will be impacted by damages to our environment and especially to our water. We live in Montgomery County, a rural area, where the Mount Tabor Karst Sinkhole Plain and Slusser's Chapel Conservation Site are located. Our concerns include the erosion of five high-risk streams vastly increased sedimentation, contamination when, not if, pipeline leaks occur, and flows on Mill Creek to the Roanoke River, 
400 people will be impacted in the Mount Tabor area, 15,000 people in the Roanoke County, 25,000 in Salem, and many, many more downstream. The next speaker offered a map to members of the State Water Control Board in order to illustrate for them the vast outcropping of karst geology, which forms much of the impacted area, producing sinkholes and delicate underground channels through which water flows, places that have also been labeled as high hazard areas for landslides by the U.S. Geological Survey. Linda Majors spoke in the same group. Referencing her neighbor's map, she pointed out where she lives next to a large sinkhole. She explained that even her well, which is 500 feet deep, offers no guarantee of being safe from contamination in karst terrain. FERC is requiring Mountain Valley to test wells in karst an arbitrary distance of only 500 feet from the proposed route of the pipeline. This is ludicrous as the dye injection points shown in the map are, as much, are, are almost half a mile long. So testing 500 feet just up here, I would not get tested at all. To believe it is possible to characterize the movement of water in cars is a very uneducated viewpoint. I am here representing many residents in Sinkhole Plain, uh, all worried about their water. It's a fragile resource that the Water Control Board has a responsibility for protecting for the citizens of Virginia. With the blasting that will be needed to put a 42-inch pipeline at the depth of 10 feet underground, we could lose our water altogether due to bedrock shifts that could occur, <coughs> altering water flows underground. Our wells tap into streams of water flowing underground, not individual static pools. It would be reckless to also believe Mountain Valley Pipeline's assurances that all sedimentation can be mitigated. Brush Mountain would have a 125-foot slash down the mountain directly into cars. This is what it would look like directly into cars at the bottom, not some kind of flat plane where it can all kind of hang out. Assuming that we do not outright lose our water from the blasting, we will have sediment. You need to realize that our water softeners will clog up, our washing machines and dishwashers will be ruined, we will go from clean, clear, sweet water to muddy, discolored, unusable water. Then Mountain Valley's <coughs> response was that they would give us bottled water. Obviously not a long-term solution if you think about showering, washing dishes, flushing toilets with bottled water. Montgomery County has no plans or money to supply us with an alternative source of water. Therefore, our houses will be worthless since no one will be able to live there without water. Water is a precious, vital resource that we cannot afford to squander for any reason, and especially not for corporate profit. Under the general standards for water quality, DEQ cannot authorize activity that will degrade water quality by sedimentation. <coughs> Therefore, deny 401 certification. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, my name is Donna Jones. I live in the Mount Tabor Sinkhole Plain and within the Slushers Chapel Conservation Site. As everyone has mentioned, this unique area is a beautiful place to live and a terrible place for a pipeline. This morning I filled up this bottle with water from our own, uh, that comes from our own well to show you how beautiful our water is. It tastes good and it's, most importantly, it's safe to drink. I couldn't help thinking how horrible it would be to wake up one morning and realize that we and our neighbors have no water at all, or that our water is filled with sediment, or that it's contaminated. And then what? What are we going to do without clean water? How are we going to cook our meals, wash our dishes? This is nitty gritty. How are we going to shower and take a bath and wash our clothes, or wash anything else for that matter? Think about uh, what it would be like to be a mother bringing her new baby home <clears throat> to a house where the water is not safe to drink or to be bathed in. 
Think of the misery visited on ordinary families just trying to live their lives without safe, clean water. But finally, there's good news. The catastrophe doesn't have to happen if MVP is stopped from crossing terrain that is convenient for them, but filled with great danger for our people and for our water. So I came here today to ask you to deny 401 certification so MVP doesn't cross our streams. It's our streams that are important and destroy our water. Please help us to keep our water and our people safe. Thank you very much. If you're just tuning in, you're catching End of the Line on WRIR 97.3 FM Richmond. End of the Line is an ongoing podcast about the pipeline struggles in Virginia and the Mid-Atlantic. If you'd like to learn more about the proposed pipelines and the people who've been fighting them for over three years, you can find all episodes at soundcloud.com slash pipeline podcast. And you can also visit us on Facebook in order to share with your friends and neighbors because our goal is to bring the stories of the Pipeline Saga from the front lines to your ears. I'm Whitney Whiting. So where are we now in this Pipeline Saga? Virginia finds itself sitting awkwardly between West Virginia and North Carolina, two states who are also impacted by the Mountain Valley and Atlantic Coast Pipelines, and who have both signaled that they might be wavering to public pressure. Both states have recently reversed or delayed decisions on whether to grant water permits for the projects. We've yet to see whether that pressure will have an effect here in Virginia, especially during a crucial off-year gubernatorial election. So far, Republican candidate Ed Gillespie is staunchly in favor of the pipelines, and current Lieutenant Governor Ralph Northam maintains he will have no problem with either pipeline as long as the DEQ allows for a scientific and transparent process. The following comments are selected from the recent public hearing in Harrisonburg, Virginia, where hundreds of residents from affected counties packed the auditorium to speak on water impacts from the proposed Atlantic Coast Pipeline. My name is Robert Weitz Carver. I'd like to commend DEQ's position to review every foot of upland disturbance for the ACP. This should be done for every foot of stream and wetland disturbance as well. They don't call the board the state upland control board. The planned ACP will disturb 56 miles of Augusta County, which has the widest and most active karst geology in Virginia. Just last month, VDOT closed Interstate 81 because of a sinkhole. I received an email from DEQ stating that we had the right to comment on constructed related activities in upland areas. What about our streams and wetlands? Can we not comment on these? If this is true, it is censorship, and it is not the Virginia way or the American way. The State Water Control Board has the right to grant 401 certification, grant with conditions, deny certification, or give it away to the Army Corps. You've chosen to give away the review process for the most important resource we have and the most important responsibility of this board, water. 
I ask you to deny the 401 permit for the ACP. But for compromise sake, will you at least certify with conditions that have been through the public participation process? These conditions should include threats to drinking water, watersheds greater than one square mile, karst geology, and other concerns that have been through the public participation process. I was a district conservationist for USDA in Augusta County for 26 years. When a farmer asked us for assistance to construct a stream crossing for their livestock, our staff would help them fill out the application, the 401 permit. We conducted surveys, consulted our soils resources, cultural resources, and designed an engineered crossing for streams with watersheds exceeding one square mile. The farmers submitted these along with the 401 application and we waited for approval. Farmers don't get a free pass for a cow to cross a stream. How can Dominion? Thank you. The next speaker you'll hear from is Becky Harmon. And if the State Water Control Board grants a permit to ACP, she would be sharing the one acre her home sits on with the 42-inch fracked gas pipeline. As an FYI, Becky was preceded by a speaker who hailed from New Jersey, thus her comment about letting the Southern come out. Hi, y'all. I'm gonna let the Southern part come out after the Yankee. <laughs> Mr. Blue Shirt here, you, you're kind of losing it there. You kind of need to shake yourself around a little bit. <laughs> I've been watching you, you're falling asleep on us. <laughs> yeah, we need the button over here. My name is Becky Harmon. My husband and I own one acre of land in the direct path of this pipeline. We're actually, to be technical, we are um, 26 years, 3 months, 25 days uh, into a 30-year mortgage. In 1969, I was a 10-year-old child, you can do the math, um, growing up on a dairy farm in Augusta County. I see, I'm 58, okay, you don't have to add your fingers and toes. <laughs> a 10-year-old child. In August of 1969, one of the greatest devastations to hit this area hit in Hurricane Camille. 27 inches of water fell within a matter of hours, especially in Nelson County. 113 deaths. There were 39 people missing and presumed dead. Some have never been found. Think about that for a minute. 27 inches of rain. This morning, when it was raining pretty hard, I kept thinking about the little dry pond and the gully that runs behind our house and how when we have two, three, four, five days of solid, steady rain and I'm pumping water out of the basement, how the water flows through that and how a pipeline coming through that dry gully that no one knows about except when it floods every couple of years, how that's gonna affect. Hurricane Camille shifted the land, shifted the mountain, everything changed, lives changed and the land changed. That was a great devastation for a 10-year-old child. I guess the next thing was probably Elvis dying and then obviously 9-11. I'm gonna ask, and I'm, I'm certainly not gonna take my three minutes, I'm gonna ask DEQ to go back to that drawing board, conduct individual 401 certifications, assessments, streams and rivers, gullies on farms that are not normally known about 
You don't know about those until they actually flood. Please, please revise DEQ's proposed process so that individual certifications include a review of all water body crossings. Thank you. Bye, y'all. Next is a familiar voice to anyone who's heard our previous two episodes on water, Bill Limpert, whose property would be cut by the ACP, traversing a narrow spine of the ridge right behind his house. My name is Bill Limpert, Little Valley, Bath County. I'm a former environmental regulator with the Maryland Department of Environment with a specialty in sediment control and stormwater management. Construction and operation of the Atlantic Coast Pipeline under the current inadequate plans would result in countless water pollution violations that far exceed water quality standards. There will be large-scale fish kills and loss of aquatic life. There will be increased flooding from stormwater runoff and from sediment deposition restricting channel carrying capacity, only adding to flooding from climate change. Drinking water supplies would be a great risk as well. Water quality in the extreme steep slopes and extensive karst areas in West Virginia would be even more severely impacted. Public water is not available in most of this area, and drinking water springs and wells would be especially vulnerable. Sediment, fuel spills, hydrostatic testing, stormwater, and herbicide application put them at great risk. The extensive blasting required could collapse the fragile limestone channels carrying the drinking water and cut off that water completely. Loss of groundwater recharge through deforestation and compaction would do the same. This project would need to have the strictest controls and procedures in place to have any chance of not violating our water quality standards. The controls would have to include tier four devices with proven safe flocculants as discussed in the recommendations of the 2014 expert panel to define removal rates for erosion and sediment control practices, in which DEQ's own John McCutcheon was a member. That panel found sediment removal rates using superior controls to those on these plans resulted in a sediment removal rate of only 40%, and sediment loads in forested areas nearly 50, time, 50 times higher than pre-construction natural conditions. This study was based on the Chesapeake watershed as a whole, which has an average 2% slope, and not the extreme erosion and landslide-prone slopes of Western Virginia, which are 60% and above in some areas. Strict limits on the amount of ground disturbed at any one time would be necessary with no waivers to trench length. Comprehensive water quality testing would have to be carried out at all stream crossings and appropriate downstream locations prior to construction to obtain baseline water quality data during construction and for the duration and operational lifespan of the project. The project would have to be carefully, frequently, and independently inspected, penalties for violations vigorously enforced, and penalty consequences increased dramatically from the current statutory limits so that a multi-billion dollar company with a poor record of compliance would not continue to violate and write the minimal fines off as a cost-effective business model. Stop work authority would have to be required as well. Massive, I will. Massive pollution and flooding would occur under the current plans. I know it, you know it, Dominion knows it, 
and the engineering companies who drew up the plans at the behest of Dominion know it as well. You cannot let that happen. You're entrusted with protecting our public waters and upholding the law, and we expect you to do that. I'm sorry it took too long. Last is a comment from Leah Rampey of Stanley, Virginia. Thank you for your time, your willingness to hold this hearing and for your listening. I speak as an owner of a farm in the Shenandoah Valley with the Blue Ridge on the east and the GW National Forest to the west. We are committed to caring for water, fencing livestock out of the stream, planting riparian buffers with native hardwood trees on our land, Many farmers have worked tirelessly to restore water and to maintain clean water, but the proposed Atlantic Coast Pipeline crosses rivers, streams, wetlands, and riparian areas, destroying ecosystems and wrecking havoc on a scale beyond what individuals could address with all our good intentions and hard work. I also speak as the co-president of the Maryland, D.C. and Northern Virginia Interfaith Power and Light. IPL supports hundreds of faith congregations across the metro area. The thousands of individuals represented by IPL downstream from this proposed pipeline stand in favor of investment in green energy, not an in infrastructure that will keep us tied to fossil fuels that pollute our water and desecrate creation. I speak as a ratepayer. I'm concerned that there are differing opinions on how much natural gas will be needed for the future, and we are locking into an investment in fossil fuel infrastructure. I'm concerned that the contractor hired by the DEQ to review Dominion stormwater erosion and sediment control plans is currently working for Dominion. We deceive ourselves when we pretend that sensitive water sources won't be harmed by a 600-mile, 42-inch pipeline and over 200 miles of access roads. We deceive ourselves when we act as if leaks won't happen or that all environmental impacts can be <coughs> mitigated. We deceive ourselves when we pretend that climate change will be solved by someone else. DEQ holds an outstanding vision that in part reads by the end of the decade, Virginians will enjoy cleaner water available for all uses. I submit that the proposed Atlantic Coast Pipeline does not support that vision. Please stand strong for clean water. We are counting on you. Thank you. More to come in the next episode of End of the Line. End of the Line is produced by Katie Wood and Whitney Whiting. Find all episodes on soundcloud.com slash pipeline podcast. Music by Restroy. Find the full EP at milkfactoryproductions.bandcamp.com. Additional music by Lobo Marino. Find them on lobomarinomusic.com.